Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your host, Ruckman, with another episode of Crew 3 Podcast. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Chris and Ricky. Gentlemen, say hello. Hey. How's it going? All right. So, not a whole lot going on in the world of Pioneer. I scrolled through a lot of the events once again, and I think there was one new deck, and it really wasn't super exciting. Plus... So not really a whole lot going on there, uh, but we did have, of course, our second Discord challenge. Oh yeah, uh, over on FG Melee this weekend. It was a lot of fun. I know Ricky, you got a chance to play in it. Uh, before we talk about that, uh, I want to shout out to new Crew Three champion Albert. Congratulations! Uh, and of course, I do want to say once again, thank you to Wonky Wombat for being one of the coolest people I think in our community. He's always active, always helping people out, and what a what a good first champion for us. I think. We got lucky uh, that's overall, for sure. mm-hmm. definitely, definitely, and uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised to see him have that title again later on. Uh, but you know I got to go jump into some games and watch them happen. But Ricky, you got to you got to play for a little bit. So tell us, uh, you know the the beginning hiccup aside, uh, you know how how was it? Beginning hiccup. on like the players' end. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, got all the technical stuff down. Everybody's setup looked really good. Yeah. Uh, I played three rounds. Uh, then I had to go do things like uh, film. I want you to know, though, even though you only got to play, uh, you were still third place going into the the, the cut. I know. I, I felt a little bad because I was like, I was 2-1, and I was like, if I was at least if I was 3-0, I would yeah. like make really big shakeups by dropping. Mm-hmm. But I was like 2-1, I'm like, oh no, everything's going to be weird now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I played against, uh, actually... I played against three of the top four. First of all, what did you play? I played dragons. The Durgans. Were there any dungeons in your dragons deck? Uh, no dungeons in my dragons. Okay. okay. Um, I learned a very important thing in the in the in the matchup, and right. that is. Um, I don't. I have one abrade, and I need more uh. abrades. Send me your abrades to PO box. <laughs> we don't have one yet. <laughs> and uh, Tequila Washington. Yeah, I I uh. Yeah, there was a ginger brute and a lot of insult artifacts uh, against me in round three, mm-hmm. and I was like in my sideboard and I was like, "This is easy. I just bring in, oh, one abrade." <laughs> well, looking a little sketch. Good thing I don't have time to play all four rounds. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah very good games. I played against uh, some really tight ones against Alvin. Uh, he was playing like Esper Hero. And then I played. Who is uh, who is our I believe cha- our champion, right? Yeah. Um, I played against. Uh, man, I'm really bad at names. I'm very sorry. Ah, oh, it's okay. It's but okay. I played against uh, somebody playing a uh, green black hardened scales deck, and in game two, uh, there was the Uzalith. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that card is wow. That card's really unbeatable. I was also hoping I had more braids. I think I drew my one of a braid against him in game three, and that was sort of gross. But uh, there was, huh? The event was the event was sweet. I mean, everyone everyone brought something different to the table. I think there was only two decks playing a companion. Of course, they were both Luris, uh, but it was a pretty wide open field. And you know, our the new champion was not uh, was not playing a companion at all. So there's there's still hope. Was he not? Did he not have a Gigantha? I don't think he. Had oh a no, he's playing Kai's Wrath. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think he could have cast Gigantha. <laughs> But no. I, I would stunt and just play it anyways, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need this 15th card. Yeah, you know. It doesn't really cost anything. I want to uh, give but... a huge uh, a huge thank you to Ruckman. As I was uh, working and kind of watching on the sidelines, I super appreciated 
uh, having a level two. And if you guys, um, a lot I know a lot of our listeners are, are typically like uh, newer players who are kind of like listening to our like our experience and things, and it's kind of kind of hopefully helps them uh, get started. But like, if you one day want to become a judge, hopefully you will appreciate the effort that Ruckman put into that and just generally judges in general, like tournament organizing and stuff like that. It is not easy. There's people pulling you a million different ways. Um, you know, obviously it can be fun. There's a lot of rewards for it, but in this case, Ruckman just did it for, uh, before our community, for our discord guys. And, uh, I thought that was super awesome. So well done Ruckman on running that event. It uh, went super smooth. So I'll super thank you. Appreciate I appreciate it. it as long as, as long as everyone playing had fun, you know, uh, it was, uh, that's all I'm, that's all I'm hoping for with this. So there we go. All right. Well, any uh, any other thoughts before we get to this QA episode? Let's um, roll into it. We gotta we gotta play more webcam magic. I gotta. Oh yeah. I gotta shove some. I've, I mean, I've got commander decks that I just really need to play against people. Table tables are always open. You know, as long people as we're not running our own you. event again, there mm-hmm. people people. Right. There's a looking for games channel. You know, mm-hmm. Th- throw up the call. You know, I'll get people it. in there. I'll do it. That's a commander. Going. If you guys have been hankering to play some magic, join our Discord. If you have not already. We're uh, we're steadily growing every week. We get more and more and more. And yep. uh, yeah, just as long as you're cool, uh, go ahead and join up. And we've got webcam games, and you can obviously challenge in Moto, but webcam uh, games are now available on our Discord. So yeah, all right. So um, let's kick it over to these questions. Uh, we got a bunch of them here. You know, um, I th- I think most of our active Twitter followers move over to the Discord. So. Uh, Unfortunately, there were these questions are all straight from the Discord. So another yep. another benefit of being on our Discord, you get to uh, you know if we do one of these again, however many weeks down the line, mm-hmm. um, you know it's been I think a good like 10, 12 weeks we had like a kind of Q and A episode. So I think it's a good time to sit here and revisit, especially since as Chris you point out last week was actually our like six our half year anniversary of doing this podcast. Yep, six months I guess right around there. Yeah, yeah. So all right, let's get into these. Um, so some of these questions are really long. Uh, so these are pretty short, but they're all, you know, really good questions. Uh, so let's get into it. Our first question, I'd love to, uh, coming in from Gray Fox, I'd love to hear your advice for new players trying to learn the format. It's one thing to learn that car- the cards that are currently being used, play a lot, chat with folks in the Discord, and stay up on the top decks. But how does one learn about the cards that aren't being used now, uh, but could be? Sounds a little silly, I know, but on the podcast, you'll often think of, think of ideas using cards. They aren't seeing much play now. Does that just come with time? It seems like one thing to learn the new sets, but learning the old sets seems like a huge task. Fair. Um, honestly, like, learning sets is something that I think you mostly pick up playing limited. Mm-hmm. It's like learning, like, what cards there are. Even though, like, you're less likely to see, like, the more, like, constructed-worthy cards there. It just sort of, like, gets you putting, like, uh, pictures to cards. Sure. But I, but I think the question here is, like, you know, sets that they're not going to be familiar with. You know, people have only been playing for like the last year or so, which is fine because if we point out several times, most of the the key pioneer cards right now are essentially right. from like the last year. Right. right. All the all um, the best cards in pioneer are from the last three sets anyway. So like, yeah, they've been so um, strong. But you know, I think it's it just comes down to a lot of like you know, if you're trying to build a deck, um, you know, you think you you think of a card that you might want to try and find to see if it exists. Um, Google actually does a really good job if you just type in like magic card that does X, like it can kind of bring it up and actually like preview it for you. Uh, Scryfall is a good place if you just want to. Uh, a lot of my deck building, and this will come up again later on, involves Scryfall. A lot of like going to the advanced filters and like setting card color, CMC type, like doing all that kind of stuff, or just having like 
a general idea of an ability I'm looking for. Um, it'll go through every single card made and pull it up all for you. Um, like these older cards, like all I could really say is either go through like a Scryfall Advanced Filter, just you know, just sit there and go through card galleries of the, you know, the past. Unfortunately, like eight years of Magic. Right. There's um, um, MTG the Goldfish is the best resource. Yeah, Goldfish is also really you, can good. You just go to metagame by by format, and then you'll see like the top like fifteen played decks on MTGO, mm-hmm. and you can just click them, and they're just so wonderful to use and easy. Oh, all right. Any uh. Yeah, I I had a couple thoughts on this um, thing. One, I guess, was there. There, it's kind of like you said. There's really not a replacement for time. Like again, I, we said it on stream of the day, but like I was counting up the years, and it's like between me, Ricky, and Ruckman, there's like sixty to seventy years of Magic playing. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. It's like twenty plus twenty plus ten or fifteen. Did I like? Did I like clock double hour, double years sometimes? No. 60 to 70 between the three of us? Between the three of us? Because me, me and you each have, like, 15 to 20 years, depending on how you want to look at it. I mean, okay. Like, Magic's been around 25 years, Chris. Yeah. Like, high school. That's when I right. started. Yeah. So, like, that's, like, 26... Or sorry, 2006? That's when I started high school? Before. Were you, you didn't play before that? Not really. Not until high oh, school. gotcha. All right, maybe not then. It's somewhere close. Don't don't argue with my point too much. I what I've been playing like what's, what's seventeen. I think is like the the number of years I've been playing. Like if you count just starting and then like competitive has been a solid fifteen. You know, sure. Like, like I I I am essentially just pioneer. So I have like the last eight nine years. Eight ten. Yeah, yeah. I, I was giving you I was giving you a solid ten. But sure. what is it's a lot of years of experience of Magic the Gathering cards, right? And yeah. you like you cannot like replace that um, totally in you know, there's there's no get rich quick, essentially, right? But one thing I thought of and I kinda of wrote down as an answer to this question so I didn't forget is that like one thing you can do to help catch up on that experience that we have slightly is like if you find a card or something that you think is good or, you know, some card that interests you, um, if it's a card that's been around for a little bit, you can search older decks that that card has been in. And mm-hmm. see if there are any synergies, just looking at that deck list, you'll see some cards where it's like, oh, look, this card is good with this card. Or, look, here's some synergies. I can see what they're trying to do. And then kind of search based on those synergies. So, unfortunately, it is going to take you longer to do something that, because we've played with you know all of the cards for the past, like, 10, 20 years, right? But yeah. that is one way that you might be able to catch up to try and help your direct question where it's like you might feel frustrated because it's like, well, how, how do I catch up? Well, with time, don't worry, you will. But thing two is, again, the more you immerse yourself, um, it'll it'll help you. And one way to do that, again, is go back and finding older deck lists to find those synergies, I think will help speed you up. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, next question from Funky Rice. What are some tips of getting better at brewing? I mean, we've had essentially an old, a whole whole episode about that you know, a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. Um, you know, well, yeah, we have we have a hundred years like between us of Magic the Gathering experience. <laughs> yeah, so. That's what I've heard. <laughs> um, you know, Ricky, Ricky, I think you you have it best said on your real tip uh, for getting better at brewing. If you want to sort of reiterate that, oh, the red box. Yeah, uh, just keep hold of every good red card in every set, and just keep them in a little like wedge in a box somewhere or a fat pack box, and just. Uh, enter every new format that you are new into by building mono red, and you will. I, w- I was. That's what? that's good. I was thinking more along your lines of uh, learn how to test. 
Okay. That also is uh, is good. Learn how to test. Yeah. I think uh, also when it comes with brewing, um, you know, it's one thing to be cute, but really get your idea focused in, yeah. I think is another. So that's that's the, o- the only thing I wrote for this is like, ultimately, it's going to come down to what's too cute. A lot of people can come up with good ideas, at least hopefully you can, right? Like, interactions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, like what we do on Does It Slap every week, right? Like, if you listen to those, and hopefully, if it's you're not, not too late when we're talking about them, hopefully we're bringing something to the table that makes some kind of sense as to why we're cutting cards. And if you can pick up on that as you're listening, that'll that'll be huge, right? Because, like, a lot of what we do, if you look at it, is, like, what's too cute? What's, what's like, you know, not, not quite good enough, but still keeps it a brew, you know? Like, once you mm-hmm. can draw that line just over time, that'll that'll be it. Yeah. Um, our next question, a return from Gray Fox. I think this is a really good question. I also wanted to include Gray Fox dose. Uh, how do you know when to mulligan? Sure. This is actually one we talked uh, quite a bit about in the Discord um, because he asked like a particular question in a different channel and then kind of brought mm-hmm. it over. It's like it was a good question, um, and we talked a lot about uh, like different decks and when they need to mulligan. Sure. Because he was asking, like, what is an aggressive mulligan? And that was kind of one of those points where it's like, well, you know, when you need a particular hand to win, that's one time that you want to think about mulliganing, right? Like, if this hand you know isn't going to get the job done, whereas, like, some mid-range decks, you can just keep lands and spells. So a lot yeah. of times I think it's going to be deck-dependent. Does that sound right to you guys? I think mulliganing right now is, like, easier than it's ever been, ever. Uh, not that you say that. I don't, think that's, I don't think that's true. Nothing mulligan is ever easy, but if you can ever, like, look at your hand, like, just think, because, like, you're going to be able to draw seven and remove a card, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a less, it's a way less punishing mulligan. But, like, look at your hand and, like, subtract one card, and if it's essentially the same hand with one card missing, uh, then you might as well go to six. Like, if, you're, if your hand is not exciting, like, mm-hmm. go to six. Six is not scary anymore. Especially yeah, right now in, in, in any format where you have a companion, because, like... Yeah. Six is never like frightening, but like if you're playing like more of a like a combo deck, like you want that like, you cannot keep a hand that has like four of one combo piece and like no way to dig further. Like you definitely right. need like action. Like you need to know your curve, and you need to see in your hand like, am I doing stuff on curve? Like if you're an aggro deck, and you're you get your opener, and it's like all three drops. It's like you know, probably you're going to send that hand back. You need, like, you don't always need a one-drop into, into two-drop, but, like, you're probably going to want something before turn three, like a one-drop or a two-drop, you know? Uh, especially in, in Pioneer right now. Like, right. you for sure need, like, an interaction for your opponent's turn two, like, turn one, turn two play, or your own at least turn two play. And, like, companions make this so much easier, in my opinion, with the mulliganing decisions, too, because it's just, like, uh, if you're playing Obosh... Like you just need one drop. You need you need probably two one drops in your opening hand, or it's mm-hmm. not good enough. And if you don't have that, because you're only playing odd cards, yeah, like shove back. Like if you don't have like odd card plus giant stomp, or if you don't have uh like or sorry one drop plus giant stomp, or if you don't have one drop into one drop, like throw the hand back. It's gonna get better. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like, I definitely think this goes back to I, this is like almost a year ago at this point. Like when the first when the when the London Mulligan first came out, right? Um, is it is I I think uh, I've been a little more um, I guess eager or willing to mulligan lately just because like it was a thing that like Cedric Phillips said like a year ago at this point where he just like 
This flat said, I don't think anyone is London mulliganing enough. So really, if I get, like, any hand where I'm not just, like, this is a snap keep and, like, I have to sit there for more than, like, ten seconds and think about, I'm more than willing to mulligan. Yeah. And now, like Ricky said, with companion around now, I, like, a, a six to seven or a seven to six mulligan is nothing anymore. Now, like, you know, more than that, definitely you're going to want to start thinking about it. But, like, if I don't have a hand that I'm, like, this is an immediate snap keep or, like, I'm feeling very strong about it, I'll ship it back. That's what I wanted to ask you guys is, like, where do you stop? Because, like, the problem I see with that stuff is, like, if we get too greedy, you know, card advantage in this game, again, like I've talked about because of lands, is, like, super insane. And obviously with companions, it makes it easier. But, like, before companions, some people would just, like, go to oblivion getting greedy. And I'm not sure that's right either. Like, yeah, you get to pick your cards. But, like, if you start with five and your opponent starts with seven, that's definitely something. So, like, do you think six is the kind of the point where you start getting a little less picky? Like, just no, to kind of I, take your like, first one for yeah, free? No, or I am... I am very willing to do the seven to six mulligan. Mm-hmm. After that is when I definitely like have to really think about. It what It really I'm depends mulligan on to. format, and like it's really, uh, you know, a cop out answer, but it, it's really super true. Like if you are like in game two and you're in Hogak Modern and you're you're playing against the Hogak deck, it's just like yeah, go to three to find your leyline. Right. You're not winning mm-hmm. without it. Right. Yeah, I definitely like the mulligan or like Ricky's is different in game one versus a game two or three. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you your game ones you're looking for like you know a hand that's like in an average matchup, right? Or like in my matchup against the most common deck, I know what kind of hand I'm looking for. You know, sure. what, knowing when to mulligan is also going to come down to how well you know your deck and know your matchups, right? right? Especially in your games two and three, you know, like I think you even brought up the point of like you know if I'm playing a slow curve aggressive deck. Do in my opening hand, do I have enough early interaction for their creatures? Right. Do I have enough early? Do I have ways of disrupting their combo, their game plan? You know, those games right. two and three. Game one, you know, I'm I'm sort of less likely to mulligan game one if I just have like a decent hand, but mm-hmm. like definitely games two and three where I'm looking for like sideboard cards and I have more information, I'm also more willing to mulligan with the information that I have already from this matchup. Sure. So it sounds like we really want to learn our matchups thing one, but like to be a, you know, uh, we have answered the question really like, cause the answer is pretty much like you are trying to like give your hand a thought. Does this do what you want it to do? Right. Based mm-hmm. on your knowledge of the matchup. And maybe you need to learn more, right? Like obviously the more you learn, the better you'll be at the decision. But to start off, like looking at when should I mulligan, it's does this hand achieve what I want? Not just does it have land and spells good enough. Let's play. It's again, like, Hearthstone, it was huge because the Hearthstone mulligans are so easy. It was like, do I have a curve? But magic sure. can be helpful, too. You, you get to be a little less picky in magic because you have to have lands and spells. And obviously, you know, you you get a uh, few and fewer cards every time. But look at your hand and go, does this hand achieve what I need for this game, for this matchup, whatever? And make your decision based on that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this, this is a question that I think is a little interesting just because of obviously everything going on mm-hmm. uh, but I think this is good to sort of think about going forward. Uh, this question is I love the Pioneer format but I'm fairly new to Magic. I would like to play more in more competitive Pioneer events than just an FNM tournament but I don't know where to start any tips slash advice for competitive Pioneer tournaments and where I can sign up or get into them Competitive Pioneer tournaments right now Hmm. I'm sure there are like, servers for it How do you say this guy's uh, name? Uh, Wookie Wasabi. Okay, there we go. Um, so, like, my thing here is, like, you know, obviously right now, um, this coming, uh, the Monday after this podcast airs is when Watsi's officially said, hey, as of right now, you can start holding sanctioned events, right? Mm-hmm. Now, even after that happens, 
I'm personally going to be a little wary of doing that. At least, you know, maybe maybe I'll hit up, like, a draft or something like that. But I'm not going to be going to, like, big, giant events for a while, I think. Sure. And I think that is just a sort of a precaution that people should just think about in general. But again, if you feel safe in doing what you want to do, that's up to you. You know, make those decisions you feel comfortable making. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Um, so obviously, like every week, there's there are challenges. There are super qualifiers on DGO. If you want to play paper, um, Wizards Event Locator will show you sort of – you can sort of pick your driving distance right. And, that'll, and you can filter out what type of events you want to find by format. You can find it that way. Uh, Wizards, um, on their website, when it happens, puts like lists every PTQ that's going to happen in a season. Um, and Star City does something similar for their IQs, where you can go see a calendar of every IQ event that's going to be happening. Um, so if you're looking for a more competitive event, though, like the first step up from FNM. So assuming we're in regular world and not sure. COVID world. Next step up is you're wanting to find a PTQ. And PTQs or an IQ. Or IQs. And they happen in different formats. It depends on the season. But you, you mm-hmm. want to start looking at... Look at Star City Games because they post their IQ schedule. And then you yep. can search by PTQ on the Wizards event searcher. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you gotta, you're you going to have to throw a wide net to find those Pioneer ones sometimes. Sometimes it's the season for it. Sometimes it's just where they get sanctioned. Like I know, you know, back in the day, the boys, we would drive like... Uh, about four hours to get to one. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe five, depending. If you're in, if you're in a more uh, condensed area. Yeah. If you're in like the northeast, you've got the magic scene much better. In Texas, you know, you could drive six hours in one direction and still be in Texas pretty solid, for, though, right? Like for, for like PTQs, right? But I think right. like you know, with with IQ seasons are going, IQs are a little easier because they don't have to rely on. Sure. Uh, it is just the store if they want to pay to run the event, like I. PTQs, like Wizards, has to select you as a host for them. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, definitely like Ricky said, the PTQs, um, the format is decided by season. You know, there is, you know, the, the, they give the option of you can have a limited or you can have um, this set, like, format for the entire season. So there's modern, standard, or pioneer seasons. It's like two modern, two standard, one modern, one pioneer season. Right. And you know you're lucky. You're gonna be lucky if there's like three within like a six hour driving distance, depending if you where you are. Right? You know the northeast. Maybe you're gonna be more able, able to find them. Uh, IQs though, I don't think there's a set format like sanctioning rule. I think that's kind of up to the stores. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. So, but yeah, the IQs are yeah. Either way, you're gonna find something like that. And if you want to go a step further, look for GPs and GPs. You might be. You mean Magic Fests? God. Yeah, what's a GP? Uh, yeah. Magic Fest. I'm very sorry. I'm an old person now. <laughs> Ma- um, Magic Fest featuring the Grand Prix. Magic Boomer. Fest featuring the Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get your AirPods, put them in your ears, and hop on a plane. <laughs> um, also featuring Lil John on the track. Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, we drive to ours. I'll, I'll drive six to seven, eight hours yeah. for a GP. Sorry, yeah, Magic that's Fest. Um, they're a lot of fun. Get a hotel, spend the spend the weekend with friends in a weird town that you don't know. Make fun of the town. Laugh yeah. at Oklahoma. Laugh at the state of Oklahoma. It's really it's good for you. Get drunk. Forget you know, what you are. Uh, do it again. Wor- worry for your life in Oklahoma when you're at Taco Bell and like a bunch of meth heads come in. I didn't do that. I know. Oh, well, you, I know. You were there that time. I know that I, when I'm in Oklahoma, go I, hit the Waffle House. I, you 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 hit the Waffle House quickly. And then you head to bed. 
Yeah. The quicker you get off those streets, the better. <laughs> no offense to anybody in OKC, you know it's true. It's all right. There you go. They, they know. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, you know, online grinding will actually probably... It will make you a better Magic player overall. It may not help with your live tournaments if you're somebody who struggles with nerves, which is something that I've struggled with for a long time mm-hmm. at, at big events. But online grading lets you play the most. So, like, just playing a bunch of Moto Leagues, if, if you can have access to MTGO, um, would be a big one. Uh, again, we preach it all the time. The best way to play MTGO is find, like, a renting service if you can. Mm-hmm. There's several different ones out there. There might be a waiting list because, again, still because of the the COVID stuff. But that's how, like, you know, that's it's the best way to play Magic Online, in my opinion. It's it's reasonably costed. You get to play any number of decks, and and, and through like the service we use, our fees like thirty bucks a month, and right. we get to play like essentially like almost every deck in Pioneer that we want to play. Exactly right. There's yeah. there's a couple like cards that we can't play. But whatever, we, we figure out like a way to not play those decks. And if you have somebody you really trust, you could split the thing. I wouldn't do it with, with randoms. Uh, another one that I put down as a suggestion was like, it, you know, I know Facebook's kind of boomer, but if you're not, join your area's Facebook group. If there isn't one, but there may be a couple stores in your area, then join the you know their stores like like their page to follow their events because mm-hmm. you know beyond the F and M's that you might see, maybe another store across town or another store somewhere in your state or area or you know wherever you might be, you might not be American. Um, hopefully, has events right, so you can use you know the store itself to find their bigger events and go practice those. But my my main suggestion is uh, online because again those leagues where you're playing against all kinds of players and the better you do, you'll be playing against better players will really help you get better. And you can also like speaking of stores, like um, you know if you got if you have like a small community that's like looking to play more of like a format, you know talk to your store, see like hey do you mind like on like a Saturday holding like a ten dollar entry fee thing just for like. The us to come play in, right? Um, like that's how the is there. that's how like we started Popper and Lubbock. You know, that's how we we did some pioneer stuff. You know, talk to your store, just organizing stuff. Mm-hmm. That is a that's a great idea. That's a great suggestion. I'm I'm down for those suggestions. All right, uh, do you guys think with the recent gap in paper play will hurt pioneer disproportionately? Player visibility, paper events, etc. Because it is still a relatively new format. When this happened versus more established formats like Modern, Legacy, and Standard from Discord user AgroCrag. And, of course, this happened being the current pandemic. Mm. Sure. So, I think, honestly, the format that got hurt the most um, is Standard. Yeah. And it it sounds weird, but, like, everyone and their mom's on Arena. Mm Right. Right. Because nobody has anything to do. Everybody's just grinding the ladder. And Ikoria's been out for months and months and months. And now, like, the paper product's rolling out, and everybody's sitting there, and they're like, you know, I've had a while to play with these cards, and I've had a while to think about it, and it's just like, I've got all these online cards. I Like, not that sales are bad or anything, but it's just sort of like, the last thing anybody wants to do now is play standard, right? Yeah. Like, when, when paper comes back, when we when we're back into the real world, like... I mean, like, do you want to go play more cycling versus Luca? I sure yeah. don't. I, I, I mean, how, how, I'm going to have my last was... hurrah standard this weekend with the with the arena open, and then like how? how... I don't oh, want to play ahead. it again. Go ahead. How excited were was the Discord when we like even like mentioned having like a webcam event just for people to play their paper cards? Very, very. I was super excited. The, 
the only thing I think that kind of hurts Pioneer right now with a lot of just online and lack of paper is I think that's leading to what Wizards is waiting for, for like Modern Saturn and Pioneer with making a play-in companion. Um, because like we don't know, you know, what things are going to look like after and they move into, uh, you know, a paper setting when card supply changes differently, you know. Um, and I think, you know, there's a chance we could see maybe a different metagame percentages once paper events start occurring again. Um, I do think, you know, online metagames are definitely more best deck heavy just because the cards are easier to get access to, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's sort of like the only real detriment that's happened to Pioneer um, because I, I think like, you know, people are going to be like, like, I think there's a a hunger now to get out and go play these older formats, especially in Pioneer, right? Yeah. Um, and there's going to be, and I think also like a lot more play time and things like that happened for Pioneer because of the shutdown. Right. Yeah, I almost felt the opposite of like I agree with like Ricky, um, and I get, and you also obviously, but like uh, yeah. the opposite of the question where they were like, "Is pioneering the hurt?" And again, this is just my opinion. We could definitely be wrong on this because again, it's hard to say. But I think this is a super interesting question. I was like, man, I think standard's going to be hurt the worst because like you've had these cards for however long, but like now we're like I don't know, you know, and who knows how long before the thing? Like you're going to be a month or two months into the short window that standard cards are out there, you know, mm-hmm. like. You may not want to go invest a bunch in standard, and, and again, maybe the sales will say a different story. But like when I come back out, I'm, my first thing I'm not going to want to do is go jam standard cards, you know, like and try and learn this thing or see what's up. I'm going to go to a pioneer, a format that hasn't changed a ton. Once I get my new cards, I incorporate them in my deck, and I'm good to go. Right? Like, yeah. I don't want to build a whole new deck on a shortened standard timeline. That's just me. And again, especially with like because we've now seen the metagame evolve, or by evolve, I mean. Uh, degenerate right into right. what it has become man it's just like ugh. Yeah, I definitely yeah. don't want to do that it's like I, I'd rather I would rather go play my 10 Luris mirrors or at least I'm going to play against different Luris decks in Pioneer than I would play you know degenerate Luca, Luca Agent Jeskai of Agent of Treachery just Yorian nonsense you know I mean, you'll find one of those people at the, the, the Pioneer table because apparently the deck's just good enough to be played in That's exactly <laughs> in right. Pioneer. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. The upside to playing Standard is that deck is just good enough in Pioneer because that deck is so degenerately broken that you could just play that in Pioneer also. I so, think- again, I think the worst, the suffer, who's going to suffer the worst is going to be Standard, but we'll see. I think right now, honestly, and this is fi- final take on, on Companion now, especially mm-hmm. after uh, I've been doing a lot of modern research and modern watching recently. Mm-hmm. I think the real problem with Companion is that it's harming Legacy, Vintage, Standard, and Pioneer. Yeah. And it saved Modern. Do you think Modern still needs to unban Splinter Twin now? I would love to see an unbanned Splinter Twin in Modern, right? But I can tell you that, like, Loris and Yorian and Obosh are, like, making Modern, like, good again. Like, it's yeah. not just, like... Like, there's still, like, the Bant Snow decks and, like, the... Like, I'm just gonna cast Arkham's Astrolabe and play five colors and play Blood Moon. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, those decks are still there, but they're yeah. less prominent. Like, nobody's playing, like, Amulet anymore because you're gonna get run over by an Obosh or you're gonna get shut down by, like, Loris Burn or, like, Jund. Actual, factual Jund is back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, like cards like Cheville are seeing play in modern. 
in like top tier sure. decks, and like that's dope. Mm-hmm. And I do think that like modern is the healthiest it has been, I think, in a long time from companion. I can see just real quick, I guess, to I'll provide the devil's advocate to my own argument or maybe sure. backtrack depending on how you want to look at it. But I, I could see, right, pioneer suffering if what happened during the you know shutdown, depending on where you are and how much you were shut down. Da da da. But again, speaking from like an American perspective, if your place was shut down and you went and bought a bunch of these cool looking cards, you thought they looked cool, you got your you know your your job wasn't affected or you got your little bonus check or whatever it might have been. Uh, and we're like, oh, I'm going to go buy a box, right? And you're like, sweet, the the best place to play these new cards is standard. Then I could see it hurting Pioneer, because when everybody gets out and you could start playing paper again, depending on people who bought boxes and want to play with them, if that goes up a lot, yeah, the, the Pioneer could go down if people are like, let me look at these sweet new comic cards and I want to play them, you know? Yeah. I could see that happening. All right, so next question here. Uh, and these next three questions are all pretty similar, so we're going to try and just uh, get through these guys a little quick here. Right. Um, from Wonky Wombat, what is one card each that you think is really good slash fun, but doesn't line up in the format that you wish was more playable? I'll go ahead and start. Uh, wish Claw Talisman. <laughs> okay, all right. I should have expected that. No further comments. <laughs> all right, Ricky? Um, you know, it's it's tough for me. Uh, I want to say the answer is Arclight Phoenix. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, I don't think that's a real answer, but I'll give it to you. Uh, it, unfortunately, it is right now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I think more than ever it is. Right. Um, I think it's the best answer, probably. Uh, my answer is Luris of the Dream Den. Oh, you wanted cards that aren't being played right now. Um... Yeah. Uh, you know, I like me some Great Henge. I mean, like, you know, we saw a little bit in the beginning of the format, we saw some of, like, the Gruul Obosh lists lying around. Yeah. Uh, and then they just kind of, like, dropped off. So, you know, get those decks back. My, um, the next question kind of ties into a little bit your answer, because I have a somewhat similar answer. That was, like, my runner-up. I have a different answer to the next question. All right, all right. So what is the next question, then? Uh, the next question is by Jogenheim Yogurts. Which is, what are some of your pet cards slash themes you would like to try and incorporate into decks? Go for it. Um, dragons. <laughs> uh, all of them. Uh, They're all my favorite. Uh, I try to incorporate Glorybringer into every deck. I, I wish, I, I want, I want dragons. Try and bring the glory, huh? I'm trying to bring that glory. I'm, I'm out here. I was, like, All right. really close to registering an Obosh Dragons deck for this weekend. Yeah, but then you didn't get to play with uh, Thunderbo- Thunderbreak Regents. I don't get Thunderbreak Regent, and I, oft- I have to go back to Dragon Egg instead of Dragon Hatchling. You also don't get Roar of the Dragon, right? Yeah, Roar of the Dragon or, or Dragon Tempest. Yeah. Or Chandra. The answer to this question for me is also Wishclaw Talisman, um, <laughs> but as far as, like, pet themes... This is kind of, like, tied into the next question, but I've got a different answer to the next question. Um, okay. But I would say that, uh, like, a sub-reanimator theme or graveyard theme is something that I really like. Uh, yeah. You know, you'll see it, like, when I play the Phoenix that Brian, me and Ricky were on for the first, what, 10, 10 12 weeks of this format, something like that yeah. that we love. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I always look and see, like, you know, when a new creature comes out, how well does it play with reanimator? I'm really surprised at how bad 
the reanimator strategies are in this format. Please, Maybe it's just because that. like soul flares freaking better. Because you have every gra- good graveyard hate card that you could want. That's true, but you also have like you still have your grizzly salvages. You've got your suppliers. You've got a lot of really good graveyard feeder cards in and yeah, graveyard like, hate. Or like, the reanimation like, spells aren't great. Like we don't have like or the, we don't have like unbarrel rights or anything like that. No, we we don't. But there is there's that new one, the four mana one that uh, there's a four mana reanimator. You got a second creature. But sure. it gets you a dude to the to play and a hand. But also, the mana, the six, Black six, Cauldron? Ricky, we can't hear you. I guess you're leaning too far away from your mic. Oh, yeah, sorry. The Black Cauldron, the whatever that one is, the something cauldron? Yeah. It's, it's Eternity Cauldron, something like that? Sure. Uh, that's a card that I think is actually really good. Um, I know it prevents you from putting more cards to the yard, but like once you get you know your H10 cards in the yard, which isn't too hard in this format... That's kind of that's kind of a theme I just I, I like to try incorporate like when I see cards come out or something like that I look to see like what kind of graveyard stuff that's that's more I guess of the answer to the next question but uh, yeah uh, my 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 easy answer here is uh, collective company yeah fair there you go that's a that's a the best answer probably to that question fair all right um, from friend of the podcast Lethop uh, what Speak archetypes off. do you wish for more playable and what sorts of card support do you think we need to see for that to be a thing um. So, I've been messing with Historic. Uh-huh. Okay. And I make fun of this deck a lot in Modern, but I wouldn't mind seeing humans as, like, a real Pioneer deck. And I think it's really, really, really close. It's definitely a deck I have, like, in passing, tried to, like, work on a list for for the stream. But like, so, in in Historic, uh, it's not... It's not Pioneer. It's this, it's this weird, awful garbage uh, thought experiment of a format. Uh, but, <laughs> Where that, the dartboard comes into play of what is legal. Yeah, but uh, you get Thalia, Guardian of Thraben, and Meddling Mage. Oh, okay. And, like, that's all we need. We need one of those. Mm-hmm. I, and I feel like the deck is, is like, super real. Um, of course, in Historic, though, you're frustrated because you don't have your Reflector Mage or your Thalia's Lieutenant. Sure. And I'm like... Like, honestly, like, give me a champion, give me a noble, or give me, like, a meddling mage or a Thalia. I just need one. I don't think I need all four of them, but, like, one more piece, and I think it just pushes that deck over the top. Like, we get a true name nemesis in the format with, with Lava Brink. Oh, yeah. And, like... Yeah, I think... I think you make a really good point and definitely a real answer. It's not the right answer. I think Ruckman has the right answer. Wow, okay. Well, I, think, a, I think Chris and I both have the right answer. Ricky, I, I like Ricky's answer to expand it real quick because I've thought, like, just for so long, man, like, Reflector Mage is just such a good card, right? right. Like, and, like, combining with, like, Coco and, like, we, me and Ruckman both have played a ton of Thalia's Lieutenant and just been like, man, mm-hmm. this card is strong. Like, when the, you know, it's one of our first YouTube videos or one of the first things we tried, at least, was the Coco version of, uh, of Heliod. And... The real all-star was uh, Dolly's Lieutenant. That card just beat down so fast and lets you kind of combo as an emergency, not as a main plan. And man, we just love that. Dolly's Lieutenant, uh, grade A card, A+. Plus. Yeah. Uh, our, our choice, though, is, of course, Merfolk. Right. Oh, the, best, the best tribe. Come on now. <laughs> I mean, we might be pandering to the question asker here. We might be pandering to the audience. Uh, that um, is the correct answer, and that's not fair. I know. <laughs> you didn't think of it. Somebody shouldn't have been on the Henny, you know? Yeah, oh but I mean, like what, what, like, what are we missing? I think we're just missing, like, you know, uh, Spreading Seas and just, like, an Island Walk Lord. Yeah, you, you definitely got some solid Lords, I think. I just think you need, like, you need to, like, not have to run green, I think. 
that's that sound right? Like, it feels like you kind of have to run green right now. Uh, I mean, you the green's bad blue. because like it lets you play Coco because we don't have Aether Vial. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know. I, I think I think like the the board just gets so gummed up now that I think like a good uh, just heck like Island Walk Lord is almost enough. Yeah, that's probably true. It's like something they give your even if you just gave your Merfolk flying for some reason or something like that. Yeah, something that was like Merfolk chariot or something like that. I think your you Merfolk just need flying. like some sort of evasion on them. Yeah, if you could give them evasion, that'd be it. Because I'm with you. I think the ground does get gummed up, especially with Lurus stuff. You don't have the recursion some of the decks do. Um, and your disruption's not quite there. Like, you don't have a good game plan against Burn. Like, so I like, think the closest thing to Merfolk and Pioneer is probably just Spirits. Yeah, I, th- I think Spirits is the Merfolk of, of Pioneer. I mean, you could you, you beat down early and then you play a tempo plan, right? So like, yeah. I, I think you're 100% on it. And so, again, if you got some kind of support like that, like a spell quella for Spirits, right? <laughs> or a mm-hmm. spell quella for yeah. Merfolk would be what you needed. Like, a more disruptive. Even though you have the two-mana one, you've got, like, mm-hmm. Tidebinder Mage and the other one, Merfolk Trickster, I want to say. Yeah. Those are uncommons. They're not quite strong enough. So, like, you definitely need something else. Sure. All right. Um, here's a good one. Uh, you know, thinking about if you're going to buy some Ikoria product or you're looking at singles, right? Because mm-hmm. prices are prices are dropping a lot Dude, of Ikoria. I, um, as, we're, as, we're, other, as we're recording, I'm building a, like, Ikoria. I'm building an Ikoria checkout cart from, from Card Kingdom. And, like, the prices <laughs> yeah. are so cheap, like, of foils. The only thing I'm frustrated with is some cards are out of stock right now. But like, yeah, but a lot of our a lot of our listeners have been like, you know, this card's for like X amount of dollars, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Broodmoth Nexus is like fifteen or like ten dollars right now. Is that a good price? And I'm like, that's a pretty good price, especially when it's pre-ordering for like twenty five, thirty bucks. Right. Uh, like, I just don't know how how low the floor is going to reach here. So like, I've kind of been like, eh, I don't know. I think a lot of the price people have asked me about, I've been like, I wouldn't feel bad buying at those prices. But then again, like. If prices keep on dropping, like, I don't want to disappoint people there. Uh, so, of course, this question is from Deathseed. Other than Companions, what are some impactful cards released in Ikoria? Luca. Yeah, Luca? okay. Yep. <laughs> the Triomes are impactful. Yeah, the Triomes. Um, we're seeing a little bit of Fiendars in play, a little bit of Cheville kicking around. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, I think there are some cards that just haven't had their time to shine just yet. Uh, that if you want to get positions on, like a brood moth nexus type of car, or sorry, a uh, a brood moth, Broodwing moth, mm-hmm. luminous brood moth, uh, luminous brood moth, yeah, yeah. Um, one of those, well, it's something that like that. What's Zenith the dinosaur Flare? name for it? Mothra. 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 That's right. It's Mothra. I was about to yeah, say. Go, I know it's a famous get, one. Go get some Mothras. Like I think there are some. Like they're definitely clear stands. Like your Lucas, like your Fiend Artisans, your Zenith um, Flares. You know, some cards like. The, what's up? Zenith Flare. Oh yeah, like all the cycling commons and uncommons. Yeah. The cycling cards, I think, are pretty relevant. Your Sharknado's. Um, Sharknado yeah. is a good one. I like Sharknado. Um, sea Dash or Octopus. Also very good. Yeah, get you some Sea Dash or Octopus. Like, so that, that just goes in so many good budget decks, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And again, like I think that card's... Wait, what is it? Is it $5 even now, or what is it? It's like, I think, $1.25 foil. Oh, what? Get that card. That card I, is way too good to be that low. Um, I think they're. I'm pretty sure I remember a dollar twenty-five or a dollar seventy-five foils. Let me see here. It's a dollar fifty for a regular one. Dollar seventy-nine uh, foils, eight available right now. Th- Three dollar for the alt art, which again we haven't talked about this because I think the guy like there's I an was, alt art know, to see that shield, But the real heroes of the set are the comic arts. Yeah, they're they're pretty good. They're pretty darn good. This I is something that like Wati did right. Every card that I've, you know, all of my Eldraine eventually I'm getting the showcase art for. Uh, get all of your mutate cards in the comic art. Like, done and done. I've already ordered them all for the Otrami deck. Yep. 
Okami is also yeah, like really, really, really stupid out of the box. By the way. Oh, is it? A random side thought: the cycling deck cannot stop it. Uh, it's just commander damage forever. But anyways, mm, fair. All right. Uh, what is one card? This is comes from El Capi, um, and this is a two-part question. Uh, what is one card each you would be, you would ban from Pioneer? Uh, also, who is the best player out of you three? So let's let's take the first card. Uh, you let's first part of this question. You each get a card to ban. What is it? Loris. Is it the same for all of us? Oh, okay. No, no, no. I, it can't be. Uh, I, I don't think it can be companions. No, no companions. No companions. Too easy. No companions, yeah. Companion feels like a cop. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, uh, I'll start to fairy. Damn, it just, it just seems to. I know. That's. I, just, I thought that was going to be all of our answers. To be honest with you, I, I really did. I thought 100 percent was going to be all of our answers. Um, I'll take. And again. Not, not just to explain our thought on this, not because Teferi is too oppressive, because it's just not a good magic card. Like, I just, it's, it, your opponent now plays Hearthstone and you play magic cards, and it's just a dumb effect, especially at three mana. Like, if, mm-hmm. if Oko wasn't around, we would have, we've all talked about this, if Oko wasn't around, we would have complained heavily more about this card. Like, it is, it's Reign of Terror needs to be over. Uh, I hate what it does. It's too inexpensive. That card should cost like six mana and have like three loyalty when it starts. It's just dumb. Ricky, what's your pick? I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's Thassa's Oracle. Thassa's Oracle, okay. Pretty sure it's Thassa's Oracle. I've been on this for a while. That like Thassa's Oracle is the problem. Um, yeah. Like nobody intends to do anything fair with Thassa's Oracle. Yeah, I, I love this. I love this this point that you make on this. Like, uh, like there's nobody that's like, oh, I get so much of it. Like. Jace got banned, and it was like, but I'm not doing anything oppressive with Jace, I'm just getting a lot of advantage with Jace. And it's just like, Stoneforge Mystic is doing nothing impressive, uh, like, I just want to tutor my swords, right? Like, mm. other people are putting Batterskull into play, ban Batterskull, not Sword Stoneforge, right? But, yeah. uh, I think that, like, nobody's going, oh, but this is a two-drop that's a merfolk that's really gonna help me, like, find the next part of my curve. <laughs> right. The value! Yeah. The value! Everybody is just like, I'm going to win the game with this card. Right. Because it says win the game on the card. It says win the game. It says win the game on it. Like, this is the... Uh, Decade is the champion of the game Duel Links. Um, mm-hmm. Not sponsored. Hashtag not sponsored. But uh, Decade <laughs> is a great guy. Um, and his, like... One of his, like, big things that he always pushes for in bannings in the game is just, like, uh, is somebody playing this in a way that is fair? There used to be a, an old skill in the game that makes both players start with a six-card hand instead of a four-card hand. Uh-huh. And he was like, nobody is playing this because they need more resources for something fair. Mm-hmm. Anybody playing this intends to win the game on turn one before your opponent gets to use the extra two cards you gave them. Right, right. Like, uh, it when that is what's happening with a card, it needs to be removed. Combo and able are getting to draw two like, extra cards at the beginning of the game. Uh, like, and you can say like, well, what about Splinter Twin? Nobody intends to do anything fair with Splinter Twin, but the deck Splinter Twin is fair, like as a whole. Right. I don't know. And just Thassa's Oracle costs two mana. Why does right. it cost two mana? Remember when Lab Maniac was too good? Yeah. Anyways, I just think Thassa's Oracle um, is just everything wrong with this recent like three, three set powerhouse block. Similar thought point to Ricky. I probably want to say Underworld Breach. Sure. Mm-hmm. I thought hard about um, Oro though. Oro was another. That's like contender. Oro. Um, maybe like Nissa who shakes that. Egg. 
Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you spent five mana, you deserve a lot. Sure. Uh, I mean, that's 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 the one I'm like least likely to be like actually push for. But I think like any of the other cards mentioned are like slam dunk. Can answers. you tell a top eight with ad nauseum? If you spent five mana, it, you would deserve it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So last uh, last real sort of question. Oh. Uh, second part of that question: Who's the best player out of the three of us? Ricky, <laughs> not hard. <laughs> we uh, we we talked about this uh, between me and Ruckman, and we decided that I was going to answer this question because the answer the answer was not me, um, and that the 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 answer is uh, uh, Ricky. He's got multiple SCG top eights. That being said, I was super proud of Ruckman's um, like effort he's put into Pioneer recently, and if I had to put money on a pony. Given that uh, you know I was also there at this tournament to help talk my boy through his in between rounds, uh, I really like Ruckman. I think he's played a ton recently. The old adage of judges uh, can't play is uh, is not true here. He's played a lot, and I'm very proud of what he's done. And he's put a lot of effort into the format, got a lot of great insight. So um, I think in general the answer is Ricky. I think uh, for Pioneer right now, I would take Ruckman. Ruckman is a good player. Thank you. And he has put up some big results. Um, I think you are really phenomenal. I thought at that last uh, PTQ we went to, I was very happy you were going very far. My so my thing is, and I appreciate both of you, and like obviously you know Chris is also a good player. Uh, my thing is like what Ricky brings to the table that I don't think like I'll ever be comfortable enough to. Ricky walks into this event like already slam dunk he's at least top eight in this thing like ricky just has the confidence that when he sits down at the table he knows he's making it to the winner's podium at the end of the day now whether or not that actually happens you know whatever <laughs> but ricky just has the confidence he and knows. the swagger like he just Years sits down play. and he has that attitude that like winner's attitude right like right. you know i i put in reps like i've played pioneer so much like I, honestly i think like the last like the last several months of when i was just playing spirits probably some of like the best magic i've ever played um and i just think like it just for me like it just i just have to have like the right deck that i just connect to like that was also me like during standard with the here fair hero of dominaria that's like that deck just clicked with me like i think i need a deck that just clicks and i just can't get in my own head because that is my real problem you just gotta read yeah. last words flavor text every magic tournament before you walk in the building <laughs> no more bad magic no it's uh which was that one uh, there will come a day where I will be bested, but it won't be today, and it won't be by you. <laughs> there we go. I love it. I, uh, yeah, Ricky. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Someone say something. No, I've got a sh- I've got a spiel on me. So you finish your thought. No, no. I, it was just like you know, like I like my thing is like I think I could do better. I just like need to not get in my own head, and I just like have to have that Ricky swagger when I walk through the door. Yeah, yeah. I think. I, and here's the thing about the Ricky swagger and why it's so important is the Ricky swagger keeps you cool. Right. Like that's one thing that I've that I've learned that has has helped me a lot is like um, round one of the last tournament that me and Ruckman went played. uh, I lost to a guy that I thought seized on like back to back turns and left him with nothing in hand. The guy had like three lands in one card that was not impactful in the game. And he top decked three counter spells to top my combo. Then a like another like a, a planeswalker to help. And then once I rebuilt with another thing, and over the course of two turns, he had top-decked another counterspell. Uh, and, like, his deck was not all counterspells, right? But, like, after that, mm-hmm. I was just like, well, that's magic cards. So, like, 
that that kind of like oh well it doesn't matter because I'm gonna get him the next round I think can be very important just staying calm like not giving into the the pressure magic and I'm not saying that's something Ruckman does it's just that like I see a lot of magic players get too frustrated at the variance and like once you play enough magic like Ricky has it won't get to you as much you know it's magic you win some you win most you lose some you lose most <laughs> fair enough <laughs> Uh, I, you know, it's kind of funny to say this, uh, not to dump on myself, I, I don't know that there's been a time where I've played Magic, maybe at the very beginning, that, like, Ricky has not been a better Magic player than me. Uh, that being said, I think I've been close several times. Like, I, as I've talked about, I don't know you guys are in the Discord, but, like, I was, like, a, a pretty um, relatively high-rated Hearthstone player. I never did anything super competitive with it. I just played a lot of months and made Legend every month. Um, and I think there were some times that in Magic and in Hearthstone that I was one of the top players. It was only when I knew my deck really well, though, and that's one thing I do think I do really well, is I learn decks very quickly. Like, for example, this is a format-related thing, but I think one of the things I have going for me right now, and Ricky may disagree, and uh, even our buddy Ed might disagree, but I think that I'm the best Ikoria limited player just because of how much I played it, and I've learned the format so much. Um and when I was talking to somebody who I very respected Magic, they were going off of somebody else's tier list for Limited, and I vehemently disagreed. I thought, like, that was somebody who had not played the format, and they were going off of a tier list that was made before the format was out, and yeah. I have had time to learn the format. So I think form- I think I learned decks quickly, which is nice, and uh, yeah, there's that. I played Ikoria Limited on stream today for a Dormoster. Yeah? O three. 3 it's not great. <laughs> it's not you though. That's the thing is it's it's not you. Ikoria Limited is the is the uh, the Tiger King of limited formats. Oh where like God. it's not good, but you can't stop. My, my, like there's just so much RNG we, involved. My opponent had Chris, came, Chris came over when when Chris is over right earlier this weekend. Um, we I had two pre-release kits and like we opened them. We were like trying to figure out how to film it, but like we opened the kits like built decks and I just like looked at this. And I'm just like. I don't want to play these games. Like I right. thought, like Ikoria Draft was bad, but oh my god, sealed is worse. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah, uh, I, it, it was like I looked at medical abilities and like the only chance I had was I had a, a, a crystalline giant, which is Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. Depending on what card you've seen, and like that card can just be so insane that it can take over games. But other than that, like just like he opened dual lands to play three colors, whereas I had zero dual lands, yeah. and like his deck was just good like he just oh he got to play on color rares and i didn't yep. and that's just like all that mattered Me- meanwhile like i'm looking at my on like my soul tie deck that looked pretty sweet but then i was just like i opened two zenith flares and i was just like can i just shove every side card with cycling into my deck and just play double zenith flare right i uh, so yeah i really i i opened pre-release kits with my roommate yeah i just felt so bad because like he's always like like well you know i'm gonna play magic but ricky plays magic you know and sure. like, it's like whatever's pre-release anything can happen and I just opened like uh, promo pack good, uh, Gairuda whatever Evans guy Gairuda, Gairuda. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, a foil and non-foil Yorian yep and like uh, two two Everquill Phoenixes oh my god and just like uh, build this like uh, blue green red deck that's 60 cards and uh, we play like eight games and I won all eight of them and he's like trying Jeez. all these different configurations of his deck and he's just like he's yeah, like I don't know like, he's like it never mattered I've got he's like I've got two triomes and that's pretty cool but like 
this Luca is pretty unplayable for me, and like yeah. I've got uh, the macro sage, and that's not the best companion. And just like yeah. he finally no, he got it. one game on me like the other night, and he was just like, "All right." I will retire. Retire, I, retire, I, champion. I won't play these again until we open three more boosters each. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's like, and even yeah. then, if I don't have a Yorian, I'm not sure what. I... All right, all right. Next question here uh, from Swamp Mouse: What cards do you like to see reprinted that aren't currently Pioneer legal? Whew. Well, I answered the human archetype earlier, so I'll come up with something else. So you guys go first. Yeah, I was I was gonna say like, man. Give me Champion of the Parish. Give me, like, Thalia. Uh, really, like, I just really want Champion of the Parish. I think that's a big one. Um, I don't like... Man, I think Aether Vile might be too push for Pioneer. Um, oh, I like that answer, though. Yeah, I, I think that's like, over the power level, but... Um, my, like, two... Like, I don't know if these are going to be good, but for funsies and for personal reasons, uh, give me Rancor and give me Predator Ooze. <laughs> there we go. I like that. I like that answer. I came up with one that I don't think that you guys would guess. Yeah? Is, yeah. It, uh, is it another Wishclaw Talisman, but a different it, name? It is not. It is not. Did any, does anybody want to take a guess as to what I picked, besides the something like Wishclaw Talisman? Jason the Mind Does sculpture. it have Fox Offering? No. Okay. I said Jace. Which okay. Jace? The Mind Sculptor. No, that's okay. not my answer. I'm guessing for Chris. Right, sure. I'm assuming you're guessing for me. Yeah. Um, really? You think that's you think that would that be my answer? Get inside my head, guys. Come on. Um is Kiln it, Fiend. Is it Kiln Fiend. It's Kiln Fiend. Um it's Kiln Fiend. Chris's answer man. is Kiln Fiend. I think Kiln Fiend's a good answer. I'm gonna <laughs> give it to Ricky. Souls? You guys both got close. I did not pick that. Um Burial Rights is very, very close, but I thought Burial Rights might have been too strong. Uh huh. So but in the same vein, I picked Iona. Because I, I actually don't think the problem with uh, You just don't think there's enough Pioneer, to animate? Yeah, yeah, because, like, I, I don't want an insane reanimator as much as I want, like, a creature that I think is really, really strong for it. And, like, okay. I own as that one. So, like, I just don't feel like, it's like I said, all the reanimator cards are amazing, all the graveyard cape cards are amazing. Like, an amazing four the, pioneer anti-graveyard cards. We haven't, we're missing. we haven't tried, like, Ashen Rider. Like, even, like, Legacy Reanimator played Ashen Riders. That's what I was thinking. Like, and there's, like, a- Ashen Rider's one of them that I thought was solid. Like, and again, maybe I'll put the effort into making this second thing happen. But, like, I own as one that I was like, there you go. That's a card that, like, if I get to reanimate that, like, or as part of my pile, like, that's potentially game-winning um, obviously decks that play a bunch of colors more than one color, you have to be very strategic on what you pick, but I thought that was an interesting one to do, to, like, put Reanimator in the in the conversation. Man, one of my guesses for you, though, mm-hmm. I think Lingering Souls would be a sweet reprint. Lingering Souls, another card I really like. There, there's a lot, like, basically Innistrad I want to have <laughs> yeah. I want to have in the format, other than just... Innistrad, like, except for Lily and Snapcast. And Snapcast, right, yeah, except for those two cards, I want the rest of the cards in there. All right. Um, because I got, isn't Kiln Fiend in that, in that set, or no? No. Kiln Fiend is from Rise. Yeah, Kiln Fiend's one that I would really like. Yeah, that's true. Um, so what do you guys think for me? What do I think for <sighs> Splinter you? Splinter Twin? Hey, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Splinter <laughs> Twin. Yeah. Splinter yeah. Twin is the number yeah. one. Uh, number two is Remand, and number three is Valakut. Oh, Remand is Valakut. a good one. Valakut, you know, like, we have... So we have Scapeshift. We just don't have, like, Steve or Search for Tomorrow. Like, Valakut is actually uh, kind of I'm interesting. I'm sorry, but, like, Search for Tomorrow is pretty good, but, like, I don't know, like... Arboreal Grazer? Is that just better than Steve? 
maybe, but like, man, like, I think Val- I think Valak, Valak, like, Valakut's like too strong. I, I think Valak- Valakut's too strong. Valakut with like Uro and stuff like that running around. Yeah, because the thing is, you have scape shift, so it's like that's just insane. Like we banned freaking the the colorless one then, with the Field of the Dead. We banned Field of okay, the Dead. This all format. right, yeah, but all like right. Field of the Dead's giving bodies want, instead of give me Splinter Twin in Pioneer. Fair, fair. They, they said cat combo is too good, but I'm with you. Give well, me some split. The cat's gone. Well, cat combo was bad because of Teferi. I think if it wasn't for Teferi, cat combo could exist the, in this format. Right. But like, yeah. uh, I, I want to. You can put it on bonding crisis. Sure. Yeah. And uh, that that costs three mana, but it's easier to kill than Zahili Rai. Again, I don't think cat combo is banned because of cat combo. I think it was banned just because of Teferi. Yeah. I agree. I think we're agreeing. I think I think we're saying yeah. we'll we'll accept your uh, your yeah. Splinter Twin. Oh, yeah, also, can we unban uh, Othanissa? Where was that unban question? Uh, there wasn't an unban. Oh. oh, by the way, the unban question is Golgari Grave Troll, but also Othanissa. Fair. Also, Golgari Grave Troll in Pioneer, please. In Pioneer, yeah. Golgari Grave Troll paid for the sins of Prize the Malgum and Cathartic Reunion. Yeah, it really did. Um, and. Uh, I think that Oath of Nyssa is still paying the price of of cat combo. Yeah. yeah. And Oko and all that nonsense. Yep. Alright, one last quick question here from Cactus Guy. What is the better spell? Pyroblast or Red Elemental Blast? Uh, my answer is, which is the one you can play in Popper? Both. I have a really good answer to this. Are they both legal in, Pi- in Popper? I thought only one was. Um, they are both legal in Popper now due to the Popper uniformity rule. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, so, technically, on a completely technical game mechanic standpoint, um, sure. Pyroblast is better than Red Elemental Blast because it says destroy target permanent if it is blue, which means you can yeah. target things that aren't Target blue. anything, yeah. Um, that being said, Pyroblast has this long-winded ass flavor text that's like ooh, water can be crushing but it's also predictable fire is always dynamic rage and avicen's collar and da 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 but uh where's the dream huh this is coming from a man who loves him some red cards i do and red elemental blast is nothing restrains burning passion Mm. and that's a way better flavor text and the tell that the art the art is very 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 Gurren Lagan-esque on Red Elemental Blast. Uh-huh. Uh, so my drill always pierces the heavens. I don't know about you guys. So I pick Red Elemental Blast. This is a family-friendly show. You can't say that kind of thing. <laughs> it says the man who just made an R. Kelly joke. What? Who did that? Me. R. Kelly's not relevant in 2020. Uh, have you watched the news lately? We're not going to get COVID, into it, but, uh, COVID. you know. Companion. He's... Everything that's well, relevant starts with a C. <laughs> uh, the answer is Pyroblast because it sounds cooler. There you go. Done. Uh, um, the answer is Pyroblast because it was the only one I thought you could play in Popper. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's uh, let's see wrong. if uh, any decks... Do any decks slap this week, Rickman? Uh, You know, we could do it if you guys want to. If not, we're, we're over like our, our usual time you know what? here. I think but, uh, I, we could do it if you guys want to. I don't think we to. need a slapping deck this week. All right, yeah. We, we answer a lot of questions. You know whose deck slapped? Yeah, up. Up your slaps. We we needed we needed we need more slap submissions. There was there was some ones that were okay out there, but they were on like a weird uh, website Our that was like hard to navigate. Slapped. So 
That's yeah, right. Our champion That's literally right. slapped. There you go. So, as per uh, hero, post slapped. his deck list in our Discord. Join the Discord if you well, want. Well, it's if it's it's up yeah. there. If you got if you guys just go to the link to the MTG melee event, which is still live, uh, I made it so you can look at the deck list of everyone that played in the event. So, uh, Chris, if you were to give a slap rating to our champion, uh, how slap? A hundred out of one hundred slaps. Oh, that's a pretty good score, uh, Ruckman. Mm-hmm. What's up? If you were to give a slap rating. To our champion. Um, well, you know, um, it's a two out of two because he's the second reigning champion. Long may he Ooh, reign. All right. There we go. I'm going to give him a nine out of nine, where nine is the other people who didn't slap as hard as him. There we go. There we Myself go. Myself included. Let's clap. Let's, let's, let's slow clap for uh, for our champion here. By slow clap, so, best cat. You know, you know what I think is interesting? I'm looking. This is the first time I've cats. looked at, like, besides cats. Okay. Um, which I hope everyone liked the change that does its lap music for last week. Mm-hmm. Um, was it Magical Mr. McCaffrey? <laughs> no, it was uh, part of the thing from the Overture of okay, Cats. Um, one thing, though, I do like is that um, since MTG Melee breaks down like per game, right, um, who won what, and it knows, uh-huh. it knows. Um, I, I it think knows. it is interesting that it tells you... Um, it gives you the breakdown of pre-sideboard and post-sideboard win percentage... Uh-huh. Which I think is super interesting. So, like, um, who was it? Uh, boot on uh, Demir Insole. He had a 25% pre-sideboard percent win, but post-sideboard he won 83% of the time. Oh, interesting. Was there some spice in a sideboard, or what was it? Uh, you know, I, I, like, I'd have to go back through and look at everything. He but I think me it's an interesting so of, like, I'm that you can see, like, the decks that do better after they sideboard. I think that's really interesting. That is cool. That's some info. I do love me some stats. Yeah. It's, these are more relevant than every baseball stat they try and tell me is hey, relevant. it's important to know when your left-handed pitcher is going to, like, find a lotto ticket on his pitcher's mound and it's raining. <laughs> there, there you go. When, there you when go. it's raining on a Tuesday in Milwaukee. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Welcome to this episode of Does It Stats? Does It Stats. Does It Stats. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you once again, listeners, for sending in those questions. Uh, There's a lot of good conversation. We'll have to revisit this. Uh, sometime down the line again with another Q&A episode. But if you do guys have burning questions for us, we are more than welcome uh, than happy to sort of chime in and answer them. Or, you know, so will our community at large if you guys aren't on the Discord. Uh, gentlemen, thank you once again for joining me here on this episode of Crew 3 Podcast. Hold on real quick. Uh, oh. You guys' you guys's homework, You're the listener's job, is to top eight more SCGs or uh, other big events than Ricky, so that next time we get a Q&A, we can say, oh, uh, X person in our Discord is the best player amongst us, and not Ricky. Or we just get Patrick Chapin to join. No. Oh. I will admit that Patrick Chapin well. is better than me at this game. Mm. Patrick Chapin I, understands the, bo- the benefit of pocket fruit. We're going to have to talk off-stream about how well I know Patrick Chapin, because him and I are Facebook friends, actually. Yeah, me too. What? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. A, it's, it's a celebrity. I don't even know that I can get into it. It's, yeah. There's, there's stuff. I, I would okay. not, I would not want that man in our. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Anyway, you can find the Twitter that I run for us at Crew Three Podcast. You can find us streaming on Twitch on Fridays and Saturday, Sunday nights, uh, afternoons for sure. Uh, you know, occasionally some other days, or you know, it does stream. Usually though, Friday and Saturday afternoons slash evenings over at Crew Three MTG. You can find our YouTube channel, which we are starting to put more content back up there on also at, at crew3mtg you can find chris on twitter at it's underscore christmas and you can find ricky doing some cool things over at door monster and you can find his twitter at uh, at also steve 
All right, gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Thank you once again, listeners, for listening. Uh, start thinking up some questions the next time. Get those Does It Slap deck lists flowing in. And we'll talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.